Thank you, God. We thank God that uh, we are called together. We are His body, aren't we? And I love that He loves us so much, doesn't He? That He is still calling our names. He never grows tired of fending for us. He never grows tired of our prayers. He never grows tired of your weariness. He doesn't grow tired, even though we get tired, don't we, in our weariness, in our worries, in our fears, in our doubts. We get tired. God never gets tired of us calling upon Him. Did you know that? He never, ever grows tired. In fact, He is waiting. Been hearing that from the Spirit of God this year, that He is waiting for us to call upon Him. And I said that line to you some weeks ago. I'm going to say it again, that what prayers... What things has God been waiting to answer? What prayers is God waiting to answer that we've never prayed? He is waiting for us to call upon Him. He's waiting for us to pray to Him. He never grows tired. There are answers. There's revelation. There's healings. There's blessings. There's favor. It's in Him right now for you waiting there for us to call upon Him. Some things God gives us automatically. Some things He has given you just automatically. He gives you. We don't deserve it. Let's just, let's just be aware of that right now. There's nothing we deserve, period. We don't deserve any of it, and He gives it to us freely. Whatever He's given to us is a free gift. But many things, it's not that God holds back, but many things are just outside of our understanding. As I've been speaking about, there is a spiritual war on for your soul. There is a war that was on for your soul to keep you from the revelation of Jesus Christ before you found him, wasn't there? Didn't you, don't you now see that there was blindness over your eyes before Christ? Before we came to him, there was lots of weird thinking. And then there's lots of weird thinking that's still in our minds that God is constantly penetrating. He's trying to get truth in there and just get all of that out of us, isn't he? But the enemy's trying to cloud you with those thoughts and cloud you with those doubts and cloud you. It's just cloudiness. The clarity of seeing God clearly, the clarity of seeing the path clearly that he has for you is, is purely, is purely, it, it, it's, there is, it's literally the difference, I'm trying to get these words out, of you just letting God put some supernatural visine in your eyes. There's some supernatural clarity. There's, there's some vision that he wants to give you. There's things he wants to get out of you and get your thinking straight, but you have to let him do it. God does not force you. He didn't force you to say yes to him. He doesn't force you to do anything. As I've said many times, it won't be the last. He certainly makes it very strong. He, God makes his case strong. It's like he's making you. He really, and the closer you get to him, you feel like he's making you because you just don't, you won't say no to him. You're going to do what he says. But he really is not making you do anything. He compels us because he shows you that this is the truth, that there is life in, what, in the way that I'm uh, offering you. The, the way that I want you to go is going to be the best way for your life, even if it's a way that you don't think is good for your life, even if it's a way that doesn't look pleasing, doesn't look pleasant. Many times God's path for your life is not pleasant to your flesh. 
Remember we talked about that last week? Talk a little bit more about that this week. What is your flesh? Very quickly, your flesh is this human body. It's your natural body. It's your senses, your touch, but it's also your mind. It's your thinking. It's this person that you are on the earth. That's your flesh. Your spirit man is what will be with Christ for eternity. And your flesh was the person that you were before Christ, and it's the person that Christ is constantly rescuing. You are already rescued once and for all, but the only reason he's constantly, is keeps wooing us is because we're constantly, right? We're all like the rest of us being drawn back into our old thoughts, our old feelings, our old nature. And it's as quick as, forgive me, Lord. He's instantaneously right there at every second of every day for you to turn back to him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your grace, right? Thank him for his grace. It's amazing that he does that. But at the moment, at the same second that you turn back into your flesh, you're just opening, you're just opening doors back up to a world you don't want to go back to. We don't want to react in flesh. We don't want to respond with flesh. And we don't have to. I want you to say that out loud. I don't have to. You do not have to respond when somebody's angry at you with anger. You don't have to. You feel compelled. (laughs) But you don't have to. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to preach this. Everybody say he's going to try. (laughs) I have a lot and I'm just going to try to funnel it. Whatever I don't get to today, I will bring next week. I won't push you long. I'll cut it off. The Lord just, I just want to say a few statements and I'll get right into it. So the Lord has really just been pushing us. This is our last day of this 21 day fast. We started the year with a 21 day fast. Yeah, you can give a clap for that. (laughs) But who has already seen victory before day 21? Has anybody seen some victory, some miracles already? God is moving. God is still on the throne. He, his position has not changed. And God starts the moment, as we, as we saw, the moment that Daniel prayed, the moment he started fasting, the answers started coming. There is a spiritual war to try to hold back your favor, your blessings, your miracles, that the vision, the hearing, the, the mind of Christ, but it cannot be stopped. God will push. God is like an icebreaker on the Hudson. And it doesn't matter how thick and how big and all that ice, it is not, you're not stopping it. It's pushing through. It's going to be broken up. And that's what God is doing right now in this prayer and fasting season. I want to encourage you to keep praying. And just because we're going to end this 21-day fast, don't stop fasting. I encourage you in this season, give them meals, give them days, give them things, and just keep pushing through because God is going to keep moving. And also, uh, to keep believing God that he's going to do what he said, to start having faith that you're believing, not just saying, okay, let's see what God can do. Okay, God, here's my prayer. And we kind of, sometimes we leave our prayers out there and we're hoping God will answer them. We need to start just believing that he's going to do what he said he would do and start believing that he's going to answer the prayers that we've placed before him. And also, we need to be on guard in this season. We need to be on guard at all times as believers. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to worry. As we've been saying, the scorpion, the serpent, the lion is where? It's underneath our feet as believers. But we need to be on our guard. 
And I, we know that because we can see that even Peter, Peter was so close to Christ. I mean, he was literally walking with Christ in the flesh, literally walked next to Jesus, saw him doing miracles, saw him doing all the amazing things he did. And yet Jesus turns to Peter at one point and says, Satan, get behind me. It was just a moment of weakness, and Peter dealt with it, didn't he? Peter went on to do amazing things for God, but there was weakness. And then Jesus tells Peter, Satan sought to sift you, but I prayed for you. I pleaded for you. So we need to be on guard. That's nothing to worry. It's nothing to fear. It just tells us that, that Christ is for us, and if he is for us, who can be against us? He's clearing a path. He's answering our prayers. He's, he's performing miracles. He's doing amazing things in your life and in your heart, but just stay close to him. Do not get lax, right? At the moment, right, I've been just thinking about uh, anything competitive, whether it's sports or even, even in military. When we get to the high stakes, they don't win because one team is just better than the other. It's, that's not the win. The win is because these guys have literally paid, they've paid the price and they have done everything it takes to be at that high stakes level, whether that's military, sports, or whatever. But they win. The real win happens because one makes a mistake. They exploit the other's mistake. So when one person makes, and then that kind of, you can see that in sports, you know, starts spiraling out of control. We don't call, we don't believe in omens and things, but it's like they can't shake it. And it's the, the mistake. So the devil is looking. Now with Christ, what happens? As I just said, when we make a mistake, forgive me, Lord, we get right back on the path with him, picks, picks you right back up and you keep moving with him. But the devil's looking for those moments He's, and he will exploit them. He does not fight fair. He hits below the belt. He doesn't care. It will be at your worst time and he'll put, try to push you down harder. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry, but he's looking for your weaknesses. So don't give him any. Is that a line? There you go. That's one. If you were taking notes, write that one down. He's looking for your weaknesses, so don't give him any. He's, gonna look, he's looking for those tiny little cracks. And the stronger you get, the closer you get to Christ, it's not big stuff. It's the little tiny things. It's the little tiny things. It's, it's just how we respond to each other sometimes. And you'd say, no big deal. But as we get closer and closer to Christ, there's a greater responsibility and the stakes start getting higher. And those little things are open doors. And you'd say, oh, that's crazy. Pastor, that's crazy. And yet Jesus said, he said, you need to deal with the anger in your heart because if you don't, when I look at it, I'm paraphrasing, to me, it's murder. And you go, how is that even possible? Because that little thing, that little tiny seed of anger, it will grow. Oh, the seeds, whether they're good or bad, they grow. Everything in God's kingdom, it grows. And if you plant seeds of bitterness and envy or, or anger in there, it will grow and it will produce fruit at some point. So we're not going to give him any open doors, are we? We're going to stay on guard. We're going to keep trusting him and keep leaning upon him, aren't we? And the other thing is, and this is because, why is this happening? Church, we've been stirring some things up. That's a good thing. The only reason you're feeling any pressure, any re the only reason that you feel those, the, 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 that you feel like the enemy's been coming after you, and, and who's felt that a little bit, different ways? Yeah. 
see some faces that are agreement, is because you're doing the right things. He doesn't care about you if you're doing the wrong thing. If you were in his camp, you were in his kingdom, why would he care about you? But if you feel a little bit of this pressure against you, that's good. Just keep going. I heard it's been said many times, Winston Churchill said it too, but it's been said by many believers as well. When you're going through hell, don't stop. Just keep moving. That's not where you want to end up. <laughs> you don't want to stay there. There's, there's, just, just keep going. Your victory is on the other side. And uh, the enemy devises all kinds of plans to entrap you. He's just angry that you will not submit to him. And just as I've been saying, he's just throwing a temper tantrum. God always wins. He's going to keep winning. Stay close to him in this season. And with that said, I want to go right into the book of Daniel for just this remaining time. And um, this is such an amazing book, but I started noticing some trends through the book. There's, there's many, many facets of Daniel. We don't have time to get into all of them. You could spend a year in this book with prophecies and with character and so on. But very quickly, just today, I want you just to look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. And I just want you to keep those things I've been saying those first few minutes in your mind. And we're stay sharp, stay vigilant, stay diligent. And it says that what happened here is very quickly, most of you know the story and those who don't, is that the people of God, God's people had sinned and so God didn't kill all of them, but he said, I'm going to take you, I'm going to, I'm going to basically give you a little bit of a spanking and I'm going to punish you for a season and after that season, I'm going to restore you back and hopefully you've learned your lesson. You're going to love me and trust me again. I've done everything for you. I'm not going to abandon you. I won't forsake you, but I need you to get that I'm God. And when you do get that, then you can actually start building my kingdom again. That's a super, very, very light version. It's much, obviously much more detailed. It always is, isn't it? But so what happens is they are here in this, in, they're not in God's, they're not in Israel anymore. They're not under God's just amazing protection and favor. They are outside of that realm and they are in Babylon. And Babylon is probably the closest Old Testament picture of where we are as Christians today. You are, they were in the world. They were in the, the den of iniquity. They were in, it was, it was the richest and most powerful nation on the earth at this time. And they had everything and they had every resource and they had the power just like the world we live in today, and yet God had planted some people in this nation. Come on, I want you to say God's planted. He's planted me in this world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world, right? That's what the word says. But nonetheless, if he wanted you out of this world, if he wanted you in eternity instantly, then he would have. But when you said yes to Jesus Christ, then life continued because now you are in this world, but you are not of this world. And I, you need to know that that's your choice. That's your choice as it was their choice. So it says that they were, these men were to be trained for three years. 
And basically what happened is, is the king says, I want you to find some people uh, from Israel. I want you to find some of these, these guys coming in, and I want you to train them in our language, and I want you to find the ones that are smart, the ones that have some things going on where they, they understand th- and, and, and they have some wisdom and so on, and I want you to find them and I want you to train them. And so they were trained in the things. They, were very, they understood the world they lived in. They understood that world. Come on, I want you to understand this. They understood the world around them. They were not so secluded from the world around them. There's a saying sometimes in Christianity that says, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. But they, were, they understood the world that they had been put in. They had, very, uh, they had natural wisdom. But it says, it says, though, that in verse, it says in verse 17 that God gave these four young men, and these four young men were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says that God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding. God gave them. Come on, I want you to say it out loud. God gave me. God gave me. God gave you gifts. He gave you abilities. He gave you understanding. He gave you wisdom. He did not ask you to become like the world, but he gave you an understanding. To understand that the world you live in, to understand the people, the culture, he wants you just as Jesus did. They couldn't figure Jesus out because they were so secluded from the world at the time, and Jesus was right there with the world. And they said, what are you doing hanging out with the world? Jesus didn't become like them, did he? He never lowered his standard, but he understood them and wasn't afraid of going to the depths. And so it says that God gave them every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave. These were God-given abilities. God's given us abilities. God has given us wisdom. God has given us understanding. And at this point, once you uh, have, have said yes to Christ and God starts positioning you and you've been placed in certain places in your life, you have the choice of what to do with these things. But it says in verse 8 that Daniel was determined not to defile himself. Daniel was determined not to defile himself. God had given them, God had given them wisdom, gave them understanding and placed them. And you have to understand that these men were eunuchs. Their lives had been robbed. Their lives had been destroyed. Their lives had been taken. Their lives, they had literally become slaves to this, this new world. And yet they decided that they, that they saw that God was with them and they would not defile themselves. And it says in verse 9 that God gave them favor. It says in the New King James that they had favor. And so we have these guys in Babylon. God's placed them there. He's given them wisdom, gave them favor. And we as believers are put into all sorts of positions. God needs us in every aspect of human life. Wherever you are, whatever job you're in, whatever family you're in, whatever the place you're in, sometimes it could feel like you were even stuck there. 
Like, I mean, I always said that I would move. I was going to, as soon as I hit a certain age, I was going to leave this area and go live somewhere, in my perception, nicer and better. I actually, I love, I absolutely love this area now. We're safe from earthquakes. We don't really get tornadoes, well, small, mild ones. We don't really have poisonous things. We don't really have big, crazy creatures that eat you. We're pretty safe and protected, and it's beautiful. But anyway, sometimes you feel like, why am I here? And God knows what he's doing. He's got you right where he needs you. And you need to determine today not to defile yourself right where you're at, to understand. I'm just sorry, guys, that I'm speaking really fast. I could spend hours with you a little bit longer on this if you want to pick my brain and just talk about Daniel. But they're here. Just say, I'm here. We could question forever why we're here and the life we're in, why we were born where we were and why we're living the job we're in now, or we can accept our place. We can accept the place we're at. We can say, this is where I am and I'll be right here and I'll let Jesus in me come out of me instead of my flesh. And so we come though, they've been trained and they say, okay, I'm settled. I've got it. This is where I'm at. I'm going to be a light for you, God. You make that decision. Now, when you make that decision, the enemy is not saying, well, whatever. Immediately, everybody say it out loud, an assignment. You make that decision that I'm going to be a light in this world, that I will not defile myself, and I will not, I will not bow, I will not be like this world this is the world I'm in. This is where I'm at. And I'm going to stay true. Well, what happens is Daniel chapter 2. Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king at the time, he says to his magicians and his astrologers, and this is the group that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were mixed into. And he says to them, I had a dream. And I want you to tell me an interpretation. And they say, sure, tell us the dream. He says, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You've got to tell me my dream and the interpretation. So in verse 10 of chapter 2, the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth, I want you to say that out loud. Come on, this is a good line. No one on earth. No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And that's true. No king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. And the king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. This plan, this attack, this was... Who gave, Dan, who gave Nebuchadnezzar this dream? God gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. And the devil is going to try to use this to take out Daniel and his friends. It says that when Arioch, verse 14, the commander of the king's guard came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Who gave Daniel wisdom? God gave Daniel wisdom, but he chose to use it 
he saw that, hey, this is life or death. In fact, I better be wise in this situation. And he asked Arioch, verse 15, why is the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened, and Daniel went at once to the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Verse 17, then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are just the, these are the Israel or Hebrew names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he urged them in verse 18 to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. Verse 19, that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has set up kings, and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows, what's, knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. There's been an assignment against you as the church. There was an assignment against Jesus too, wasn't there? The devil thought, I won. I put him on the cross. And then there was an assignment against his disciples, wasn't there? He thought he won. He couldn't see the millions upon millions of Christians that were worshiping God this very day in churches all over the world. That even death to those disciples could not stop what God said would be, what God would do. Doesn't matter that the enemy has a plan. Doesn't matter that he's coming for you because God is above it all. God's got the revelation. He's got the protection. It's in him. It says in verse 23, you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. God is revealing to you, if you're listening, the strategies of the enemy. The enemy is coming, but God's revealing his strategies. God's revealing the answers. Who has seen that already? Who has already, you feel in your spirit, and you say, I need to pray for this, or I need to pray for this person, or I need to stop doing this, or stop thinking that, or stop saying that, and it actually kind of is a little bit out there in left field. You don't even know why it's actually coming in this moment. You just need to listen to God. It's because the enemy has got a plan. He's working a plan, and then he comes to you, and, and Daniel, God didn't tell him beforehand the actual plan. Daniel's like, why is this happening? But God gave him the answer. And sometimes he's going to give you the why it's happening beforehand. The point is, though, that God was with him, and it says that he goes to Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, he says, verse 27, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. He was agreeing that with these other magicians, he's the worldly, there is worldly knowledge, there's worldly wisdom. It's not enough. Do you understand this? That your mind is never going to figure it out. Your strength is only going to go so far. The Bible says that even young men grow tired. Even a young man eventually is going to grow tired. We need God's revelation. We need the spirit of God leading us. And he says, no one can do this. I can't even do this, Daniel's saying, as a wise man. But verse 28, but there is a God in heaven. Come on. 
There is a God in heaven. And there may have been a plan to take us out. There may have been a plan to take God's people down. But we are going to stay close to Him. We're going to trust in Him. And He reveals secrets. Verse 29. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. Verse 30. And it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else. It says it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. God, the enemy, was going to kill Daniel and his friends through this. And the very same plan that the enemy was going to use to kill you, the very same thing that he used as a strategy to take you out. Who's seen some strategies come towards your life to try to take you out? Even if you mingled with it. Even if you were a part of it, God had mercy on you. God rescued you. God gave you grace. God had an answer. It says, God has revealed these things by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10 His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. They were leaning upon God, and God had an answer. But there's this amazing thing that happens here in verse 48. Not only did God rescue them, not only did God give Daniel the answer and save them, but verse 48 says, Then the king, everybody say then. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position. So wait a second. The king was about to kill them without mercy. In fact, it actually, I didn't read it. It says, cut them into little pieces. And now, because God intervened, because they leaned upon God, don't just accept what's happening in your life. Don't just accept it. You settle and you say, I'm going to trust you, God, you don't get into, into worry and fear, but you pray, you seek Him, you fast, you ask Him for revelation, you ask Him for answers, ask Him to change your thinking, ask Him to change your ways, ask God for the answer, and He has one. He has the answer. And not only that, if you will learn to trust God at that moment, when the enemy comes to take you out and try to use whatever tactic it is to kill you and take you out, if you don't give in to it, there's this amazing thing that then happens, graduation, promotion. You have just learned another layer of the lessons in God. It says, and then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. And he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. Besides the fact that he saved, it doesn't say it here, but Daniel also saved the lives of all those wise men that he'd be the ruler over. And in verse 49, at Daniel's request, not only that, but at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. 
if you will learn to trust God when the pressure comes, when the attacks come, not only will he free you, but the enemy, they have, they have well, they have lots of sayings in Christianity. If you've been raised and you've heard them all, they say, new level, new devil. <laughs> it's, you've gone to a new level, though, in God. You've come to a whole new place in him, and also there's a greater responsibility now. Now, both God knows, hey, you know better, just like we raise our children. At first, we let them get away with breaking stuff in the house because they're just a baby. <laughs> As they get older, when they throw the football around the house, we're not as gracious to them because they know better. And also, because I've already, I've already said it, I'll say it again, that the enemy exploits your weaknesses. So he's waiting for you to throw that football and he's going to exploit it, make it way worse than it has to be. He's going to try to use that moment of your weakness of your flesh. And so God moves you to another level. God expects more of you, but also the devil knows that God's expecting more of you. Come on. He knows that God expects more of you. And when we act like little babies, when we're supposed to be adults. Come on, that's what we're doing, right? We're being raised. It says, it says that we are growing, we're being trained, we're being raised. I'm paraphrasing a couple different scriptures, right? So what's it say? Till the full stature of Christ. He's getting the baby stuff out of you. But the enemy says, okay, well, I'm gonna have to come to you in another level. And so he comes to them again. Come on. We looked at this in Nehemiah. You can see this through the whole Bible. He comes again and again. Remember when Jesus was tempted? He was tempted. He had the three temptations of Christ, right? And Jesus overcomes. And it says the devil left him for a more opportune time. He's going to try to come back again. And so that's exactly what happens. And there's many instances in Daniel. We just don't have the time. But they all have the same trend. That you see the attack an assignment, you see them standing true and integrity and trusting God, and you see their victory and promotion. And so very quickly, I just want you to look in Daniel chapter 5, Belteshazzar, another king now, this is Nebuchadnezzar's descendant, he's, he's ruling over Babylon now. And it says that Daniel, the, he has... He has a question. You can read the story yourself. He's trying to figure out what's, what's happening, and he says, it's in Daniel 5, you want to read the story, but he's, they, they're looking for an answer, and it says that only Daniel can give you the answer. It says in verse 14 of chapter 5, I've heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. And he says, my wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I'm told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. The world will call on you. You start shining your light. You start standing in the gap. The world's going to call on you. Enemy's going to try to use it. But you need to know that, that God has put you there. Start to see the trend that, hey, wait a second. God's actually using me. And when, when the enemy sees that God's using you, he's going to come. So it says, though, that he gets promoted again. In verse 29, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. 
Who is this guy? Who is, who is Daniel? Third highest in the kingdom? He's not even, he was a slave. Come on. God has, but what was it? It was just trusting God. He says, actually, he says, I don't even want your stuff. I guess it was non-negotiable. Because he's like, you can keep your stuff. And then verse 29, they're putting it on him. Like maybe there's some times where you just let, let them do their thing. That's God's wisdom. But it says, though, later on in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel had proved himself, verse 3, more capable than all other administrators and high officers. God sees your integrity. The world sees that you're... The world's always watching. You may not think they're watching. They're watching you. They're watching. That same little things that... that they're watching. And the enemy's watching. You got three parts watching. And so it says that he had proved himself... Verse 3, and he was an excellent, and it says that he had great ability. The New King James says that there was an excellent spirit, a spirit of excellence in him. And the world saw this. And it says that then the administrators, verse 4, and high officers, they began searching for some fault. Wow. Remember, the Bible says, we do not war against flesh and blood. We're not warring against each other. When we fight, that's, look at, who believes that Peter was Peter? Called by God with a mission for God. And yet he said, Satan, get behind me to Peter. The point is, people don't like this, but when we get enraged, when we fight, when we war, we are letting Based on that, I mean, that's, this is Peter we're talking about. If he said it to Peter, I think he could say it to me. Satan, get behind me. We're letting Satan work through us towards each other. So when there's an attack, when it's verbal, when it's physical, when there's an attack from a person to another person, you're letting the devil work through you at that other person. And it says, though, that they, this is exactly what happened. They, they said, they said, we need to find a fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find any. This is why we need to be so tight. We need to be integrous in everything, not just, not just uh, uh, our, our Sunday. <laughs> you can't just have integrity here on Sunday and that you, that you do everything right here. But this is in the world because they're watching and the enemy's watching and he's looking, but they couldn't find any. It says that he was faithful we need to be faithful. It says that he was responsible. We need to be responsible, and he was trustworthy. There's this balance of God gave him. Who gave him wisdom? God. Who placed him here in this position? But to be faithful, does God make you faithful? Uh, to be responsible, does God make you responsible? And to be trustworthy means that you responded to it. So God has put you where you are, put you in the place where you are. You may not like it. You may feel trapped. You may feel like, why am I here? And yet you also have the ability, God-given ability, if you'll listen to it and respond to it, to be faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. And if you let him, 
we're seeing there's a trend and you can read through this story yourself. I encourage you to read Daniel. You're going to see promotion, promotion, promotion. You stay faithful where you didn't want to be. You stay faithful where you didn't think you needed to be. And God, you can't help but get promoted. It says in verse five, so they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. He said, our world's a little bit different than his faith. Let's, we need to go after his faith. We need to get to his faith somehow. I can't get into his faithfulness and his trustworthy. Let's get to his faith. So they devise a plan. Come on, I want you to say it out loud. The enemies devised a plan. He had an assignment. But it says that the kings, he had an assignment, and here's their assignment. It says that they, they said, let's make a law, verse 7, where only you can be worshipped. For the next 30 days, whoever prays to anyone divine or human except you will be thrown into a den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed. Verse 8, an official law cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. There's been an assignment, a law signed against you. But, but, verse 8 says, uh, sorry, verse 10 says, but, come on everybody say it out loud, but, but. When, when I heard, the assignment. It says that he went home and knelt down. What's that say? As usual. You don't let the enemy. This is like Nehemiah, right? I'm preaching very similar because it's just God right now. Very similar story. A little different scenario, but the same answer, right? Nehemiah, they, put the st- they had a stone in one hand and the sword in the other. You're not focused on the enemy. You're aware of him. You're focused on building the kingdom of God. You're focused on being integrous. You're focused on loving God and trusting God and living for him, but you are fully aware that the enemy's coming at you. You have a sword in one hand. You got your stone in the other. And so he's like, I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done. I'm going to just ignore them, ignore their assignment. And I'm just going to keep worshiping God, keep loving God, keep trusting God as I've always done. It says he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. Just keep doing what you've always done. If what you've always been doing was sinning, stop doing that. (laughs) If you've been trusting God, keep trusting God. You've been fasting for God, just keep fasting. You've been just staying close to him, trusting him, staying in his word, staying integrous, keep doing it. God will see it. The enemy will fail. God always wins. That's our line for 2018. God always wins. It says, then the officials, verse 11, and I'm going to wrap this up as I promised. The officials, they went and they went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and asking for God's help. So not only did he pray as he always did, but Daniel purposed, okay, God, I'm going to pray like I've always done, but Lord, there is a situation around me and I'm going to, in my normal everyday routine, not just, this is not just a desperation prayer. You need to set a pattern now because then when the times come, when the attacks come, this is very interesting. It's what he had, it says twice that it's what he had always done. It's what he's already been doing. 
Before the attack comes, get in the routine now. Make God the center. Make him first now. If you think you're going to do it when the attack comes, that's possible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be much harder for you. Make the routine now so that in that routine of, well, you're always my center anyway. So now that there's an attack, there's no difference. Come on. And so he had always been praying, but he says that he starts asking for the Lord's help. So they went straight to the king and they reminded him. And he said, didn't you sign this law? And the king says, yes. And they said, well, it's Daniel. And so the, the king had to do what he signed into law, could not be revoked. And so he put Daniel in the lion's den, didn't he? You know the story. It says, the king gave the orders, verse 16, for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. Wait a second, where's God? Where's God? What do you mean he was thrown into the den of lions? I thought that Daniel had been trustworthy. He was faithful, responsible. He was already praying routine. He'd already been trusting God in everything he did. God had been promoting him. Listen, new level, new devil, it's coming, but it's going to fail. God always wins. He hadn't been thrown into a lion's den yet. He had been tried and been tested, but now, like, this is it. Actually went into it. He's in it. Come on, everybody, I want you to say, I'm in it. And it says that a stone was brought, verse 17, and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Who could rescue Daniel? Does God care about seals and stones? <laughs> it says in verse 19, and there's more to the story. You, strong believers, you know that the other side is that the king was actually on his side. I encourage you, go and read this book and read Daniel 6 if you haven't read this story. Verse 19, it says, Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God? Listen, let's read this out loud. Was your God, listen, whom you serve? Come on. Come on, was he able to rescue you from the lions? What do you think? <laughs> 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. 22, my God, come on, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. See, sometimes... You are, you trust God, you lean upon him, assignments have been put against you, and sometimes it feels like they're actually even winning against your life. Who's been there as a believer? Who has wondered? You keep trusting God, but you wonder. This, see, I feel a little too, it's one thing, I was to the foot of the den. Okay, God, you're gonna deliver me. I'm trusting you, I've been fasting, I've been praying. And then the stone opens and you're thrown in. At that moment, what don't you do? <laughs> you don't then stop trusting God. If you've been trusting him all along, you double down. You trust him more than ever now. I mean, it's now, you're either going to be eaten, <laughs> you're either going to be taken out, believing in him, or taken out. Or he's going to do something and deliver you. 
I'd rather be delivered or taken out believing in him than just taken out. Come on. Because he'll just take you out if he can. But it says that the Lord shut the, the lion's mouths. They would not hurt me for I've been found innocent. Come on. Why was he delivered? I was found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. See, God is moving for us, but we need to close the gaps. And I'm going to keep preaching on it that, that this, these next weeks. We need to get tighter. God, he wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. We need to get the, the loopholes, the little foxes. We need to get the, the open doors. Get them out because it's the innocence. It's, the, it's your faithfulness that moves God's faithfulness. And I love, and, and this is the last verse, you guys can stand. It says in verse 23, it says, look what it says. It says, not a scratch. Not a scratch was found on him. What's that say? For he had trusted in his God. Lord, we thank you right now, Lord, we thank you, God, that even though there has been many assignments assigned against your church and against even this church and against our families and our marriages and our children and in our workplace and while we're driving and all these, other, all these various assignments, Lord, we thank you, God, that you're with us. We thank you, Lord, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you never fail us. Lord, we know you're going to do your part. We know your, your position as God never changes. Lord, we pray right now, get us in the habit, Lord, of trusting you and leaning upon you. And as usual, getting down on our knees, Lord, and asking you, Lord, for wisdom and understanding and counsel and might. We thank you, Lord, that we would be a church that walks in the fear of the Lord, that we would be people that routine, Lord. It's just our routine. The scenario today is a lot harsher than it was yesterday, but my routine is to trust God, and I'm going to keep trusting Him. Even into the mouth of the lion, I will trust you, God, that you will deliver me. And we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to us. Lord, help us to be faithful to you and help us to be integrous, Lord, and get the flesh out of us and get the thinking out of us, Lord, and all the loopholes and all the junk around us, Lord, to, to keep us in our flesh. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, you're going to do it in us. You're doing a supernatural thing in us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.